Welcome back to The Theology of the Buddy, a podcast for Catholics who love the beauty of the Church's sacred tradition. This is episode 76. My name is Chris, and I'm joined today by my trouser-clad co-hosts, Mike, Brooke, and Tim. Before we begin, uh, if you haven't yet, please make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening and leave us a five-star review if you can. It'd really help us out. Also, don't forget to drop by our website, theologyofthebuddy.com, for all of our past episodes and show notes. And while you're at it, don't forget to follow us on our socials so you can keep up to date with all of the great content we're putting out every week. You can find us at Theology of the Buddy. All right, so... Welcome everybody to the podcast. Uh, Today on the podcast, we're going to be talking a little bit about the Great Feast of Epiphany, and we're going to get into the spicy topic about whether ladies should wear pants. Thanks to our friends over at Census Fidelium, who released a a very controversial, I guess. Controversial? Yeah. episode or uh, YouTube video on lady pants. So we're going to get into that shortly. But before we do, hey guys, how you doing? Good. Awesome. Oh, fantastic. Great to see you guys. Good to see you too. I was just waiting for that dedication, Chris. Oh, yes, that's right. That's oh, right. the dedication. Yes. The great dedication. Today's episode is dedicated to our good friend and uh, previous guest on the podcast, Nicholas Job, who has regrettably lost all spirit and love of Christmas. So, Nicholas Job, this goes out to you, um, and we hope someday that you'll you'll regain the magic of Christmas. So <laughs> he's going to kill us. <laughs> all, all right. So before we get into the 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 hot topic of lady pants. I thought we'd quickly talk about Epiphany. So I know a couple of us were able to attend the great feast of Epiphany. I know some of our listeners have were able to attend Epiphany vigils and things like that, which is amazing. What a blessing that is. So for those and some of us some of us were able to walk away with gallons of Epiphany water. Looking at you, Chris. That was awesome. Eight liters, eight liters. <laughs> How many gallons is eight liters? I don't know. But two, right? I think it's two. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't. I don't know Canadian math. Yeah, yeah. We we have different math up here for sure. It's about um, five kilometers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, so I thought we'd quickly we'd quickly talk about Epiphany. So what what is Epiphany? So from the Angelus Press Missal, it tells us here that the word epiphany means manifestation. The church in the mass commemorates a triple manifestation of Christ. Firstly, to the Magi, that is, to the Gentiles. In his baptism, when the voice from heaven declared, this is my beloved son. And in the miracle of changing water into wine at Cana. So, just really quickly from our friend Philip Campbell in his work on the Feast of Christendom. Big shout out to to Philip Campbell. This is a fantastic book. If you don't have it yet, you can get it on Amazon and tell him we sent you when you leave a review because it's really good. But he says here that the Feast of Epiphany 
went by many names in the early church. It was sometimes called Epiphanie or Epiphanios, both relating to the Greek term for manifestation and revealing. However, the titles Theophanie or Theophany, Dies Epiphanarium in Latin, and Festivitas Declarationem were also used among others. Though its historical names were varied, we can be certain we are dealing with Epiphany whenever we see a liturgical commemoration of Christ's manifestation to the world. Um, the, date is, the date of its observance appears to have been fixed on January 6th, exceedingly early, and has its origin in the Eastern Church. It is impossible to discern why this date was selected. All we can do is note that from the very earliest mentions of this feast, it has never fallen on any other date than January 6th. End quote. Wow. So, so actually, you know, when I was reading this this book, the Feast of Christendom, I saw in the Christmas section that Epiphany was was celebrated first before before Christmas at all. Christmas didn't come for centuries. Uh, the Feast of Christmas didn't come for centuries, um, but but Epiphany has has been around. Basically, it seems like since apostolic times. So, very, very, very cool. Um, also, the the weird thing about this is that for some reason, uh, pre-55, we had the Vigil of Epiphany. And then it, with the 1962, the Vigil of Epiphany was removed. Traditionally, the Vigil was... Um, the time when the actual blessing of the of the epiphany water would occur but yeah so that was removed by pius the 12th in 1955 um and it was actually at that point that that the the feast of the baptism of the lord was instituted on january 13th so um because traditionally it was always seen as all combined into that one feast of epiphany um, but Pius XII split that apart and put the baptism on January 13th and removed the actual vigil, uh, or sorry, removed the actual vigil and the actual octave of Epiphany leading up to the baptism, um, which is kind of weird. Yeah, but in any case... The 13th would have been the octave day, correct? That's my math. Yeah. Yeah, eight right days. There. Yeah. Yeah. Six plus seven does check out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're Canadians, right? So our math is, is different, but I mean. Yeah. <laughs> if that turns out to be wrong, just chalk it up to Canadian <laughs> to math, Canadian math yeah. and our public school system. <laughs> hey, I've seen what you guys did to bacon. That's <laughs> ironically oh, wait, only an American probably, thing. <laughs> oh my goodness. You probably don't know about Canadian bacon. No, we know. Okay. So we know bacon. about it. You know but about we it. We don't okay. have it here. It's only yeah, American. We, we don't. We don't have it here either. It's not allowed in my house. <laughs> <laughs> what, okay. What, yeah. I, what, I was worried. I was talking it? about something completely foreign here, but uh, no. <laughs> we call it back bacon, right? That's what we call it. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, essen- it's essentially bologna with flair. <laughs> so, Baby think- got back makes so much more sense now. I think from what I, I've got heard, <laughs> what they call Canadian bacon is not even back bacon. It's just no. something else altogether. 
it's a weird ham is all it is and it's, yeah. it's not yeah the only use that it has is it makes people who like pineapple on pizza have just a couple more options i wonder if there's actually a place in canada where they have canadian bacon because it sure is not here <laughs> Yeah, I I don't know. I'd have to look. Yeah, because I mean it's self-referential to call it Canadian bacon in Canada. Wouldn't they, they just call it bacon? Yeah, but what we call bacon is just bacon. Yeah. So it's like actual bacon. Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know. Anyway. Sorry about the derail. But uh but getting back to the 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 actual Epiphany Vigil. I just opened the Daily Roman Missal for the um, the Novus Ordo, and they brought back the Vigil of the Epiphany in. The oh, really? Ordo. Yeah. So that's interesting, right? They don't have the Epiphany blessing like we would um, in the traditional rite, but um, they yeah they definitely well, have the vigil. As I mentioned before, have you seen the exorcism on that bad boy? That's like way too Catholic Yo. to have in the new calendar. Well, uh, question is, is the normal blessing of the holy water different than um, like between the Novus Ordo and the, Compl- and the 1962 for lack of very different. Completely oh, yes. different. Yeah. yeah. And this blessing is, can only be done on epiphany. That's what. Oh, okay. This is what gives it its special character and also its power. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so it says here that uh, with regards to the blessing of the Epiphany water, that the blessing comes from the Orient. Um, sorry. So this comes from the maternal heart of Mary, traditional Latin Mass community. So shout out to them. Um, but it says here that the blessing comes from the Orient, where the church has long emphasized in her celebration of Epiphany the mystery of our Lord's baptism, and by analogy, our baptism. This aspect is not neglected in Western Christendom, although in practice we have concentrated on the visit of the Magi. Many years before the Latin rite officially adopted the blessing of Epiphany water, diocesan ritual, rituals, notably in Lower Italy, had contained such a blessing. End quote. So, yeah, this, I mean, look at this. I mean, our listeners can't see it, but like, it's huge. This is the yep. handout for the, the traditional blessing. Sick. Yeah. Well, Gee, the prayers H-I-C-C. for the, the, just the blessing alone, like that whole, uh, is ceremony the right word? For the blessing of the holy water, it took like forty-five minutes, right? Easily, like including, yeah, including all of the reading and the chanting and yeah. such. <laughs> it starts with the um, litany of the saints, and mm-hmm. it's got a bunch of uh, psalms and chants in it, yeah. as well as the three exorcisms and the blessings. Yeah, and I mean, and the litany of the saints itself is the traditional litany of the saints. You know, if you go to the Novus Ordo Easter Vigil, they don't have half of the stuff that's that's in this. You know, partially because it's a little too Catholic. So it there is that litany. Yeah, and like the the priest also like he chants um, Psalm twenty eight in the midst of it too. Which is absolutely beautiful, right? Which is, um, give to the Lord, you sons of God, give to the Lord glory and praise. Give to the Lord the glory, do his name, adore the Lord in holy attire. Reading the 
reading the prayers is just wild because it's just like it's just yeah. so powerful. There is so much authority to it. Yeah. For, I don't know. I don't know if there's a better word for that, it, but it is like calling on the authority of God to cast out Satan, right? In yeah. the new, like the modern church, you don't hear a priest say stuff like Can you, can we, you just read it? This can Mike just read like one little paragraph? Sure. Just just that. Can you read that? Just this little snippet Brooks looking at that's uh, it's just so good. A cursed dragon and every diabolical legion, we adjure you by the living God, by the true God, by the holy God, by the God who so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Anyway, just like the confidence to actually say we adjure you, the church doesn't do that. They kind of beat around the bush nowadays, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some uh, specific uses for epiphany water, right? I think I heard something like there was a uh, use for it with the bells that was reminiscent of baptism. Am I mistaken on that? Oh, like you would use epiphany water to essentially yeah, baptize yeah. bells? Yep. Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't know the the right what that looks like, but I've I've heard it. Uh, like I've heard of it, and I've seen. I've seen the blessing of a bell online and like that's that's also a wild <laughs> wild thing to watch right the church you know again like Mike said nowadays has kind of lost its understanding of the power of bells but like a bell properly blessed sends terror into the heart of demons like absolute terror um, yeah i mean there's there's a rite of exorcism i mean you ring the bell at the Sanctus for a very specific reason. I mean, it's supposed to drive the enemy away. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Right. So, yeah, if you didn't get a chance to go to Epiphany this year, definitely plan to go next year if you can, because it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful, beautiful mass. And if you can get a hold of Epiphany water or, you know, or if you're nearby me and you need some Epiphany water, Hit me up at Theology of the Buddy. I'll hook you up with some epiphany water. Um, I'd be glad to. to can we link? Over. Can we link? Um, like this blessing down in the show notes somewhere for people. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Please take the time to read them. They are so cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Think of the use of that epiphany water and blessing. Well, maybe this is jumping onto the chalk part if you were going to mention that chris but i think of it kind of like catholic home defense right it's one of the layers of defenses you as the head of the family should be setting up like jocking your door sprinkling sprinkling your home with holy water and various other things but this is kind of a key epiphany is like the rearmament for the year at my house absolutely (laughs) we do the house blessing chocolate doors get stocked up with holy water yeah and we bless all the rooms and and everything Mm -hmm. and i'll be honest like in times where we have or if you you have felt like something right like you feel like you're under spiritual warfare or you know you feel you're just losing control like I, I go around the rooms and I'll, I'll sprinkle holy water. If there's an inclination in my, in my gut that says you should do that. Like, yep. I just go do it. Yep. And yep. it brings about an incredible sense of peace. It's powerful stuff. 
you know yeah uh, you know and i think one of the the greatest victories of the evil one over the past two years has the remove has been the removal of holy water from our parishes um Dang. like i don't know You're i don't so know right. if it's like that for you uh mm-hmm. yep yeah um but we we haven't had holy water for you know two years and that's and i think that's a scary idea that's it takes away some when, of our baptism. Yeah. I mean, the and holy water removes. Yeah. When we went to the mass in Thorold, they, uh, you know, like those hand sanitizer dispensers, they had a holy water one. That, so you oh. put your hand under and <laughs> it would give you a whole, it's kind of cringy that's, and not that dignified. That's like these, but priests, that was the only time we had it. But it's what have they have the super to get it in there. And they're just, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, mean it is catchy. yes it does seem cheesy but they're trying they're doing what they can to actually get the sacramentals in there which yeah. i respect yeah it even had like its own little name on like Aqu- aqua dispensa or something like that like <laughs> like someone out there said there's a problem and we need to solve it yeah. and they did and kind of weird but you know what i was happy it was there because it was like we hadn't we had to. access to that to bless ourselves in the walking into the church, except uh, one we, parish. We got to buck up, put our big boy pants on, and just start accepting that everything we do comes with a certain amount of risk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I agree. I, you know, the I don't know if I can mention the virus without getting flagged, but the particular situation that we're in, the the risk is minor, and it's not waterborne. <laughs> Bring back the holy water. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I went to the SSPX parish, and yeah, shocker, and they, <laughs> Sorry. they they still have the holy water out. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know because their bishops aren't afraid. Um, yeah, so people people will forget. Do you know what I mean? Like, think about this: if five years from now, arbitrary number, they still haven't brought it back claiming that, oh, we're afraid of people getting sick. Like, what does that say? Mm-hmm. What does that say about our faith? Yeah, exactly. That's and what that. does that say about the power of sacramentals? You know, exactly. Like, you know, it. it's the same with what our, I mean, our bishop said about the Eucharist, about the importance of confession, uh, the sacrament of baptism. All, what was the word? Yeah. All... Uh, non-essential. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So, I mean, yeah. yeah. Preach, Tim. Like, bring it, bring him back. Bring him back. Oh, it's yeah. time. No. I, it's, it's damaging to the faith. It's damaging to souls. You know, holy water has an actual effect. You know, if you, when you cross yourself with holy water, you're being, you're being forgiven of venial sins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It does some, it does something for you. Having these sacramentals, there's a purpose to them and taking them away because we're just a little bit afraid about what, you know, why are we doing this? You know, the, you know, they took away the mass because they were afraid, you know, they took away confession because they were afraid they gave us guides on how to live without confession. What kind of bishops are these? Mm-hmm. These are the wolves and the bishops are like, how do, you know, here's a, here's a guide on how to live with wolves. Come on. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. We're, lu- just... we're lucky at the TLM that we have the asparagus anyway. Yes. Like we can't bless ourselves when we walk into the church, but 
we got the asparagus. Yeah. <laughs> Granted, all of us who who like to hang on the the far wings of the church, <laughs> that aspergillum <laughs> is not reaching us. Like. Yeah. <laughs> it's like her needs to get underneath a barbell and start working on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's yeah. get that reach a little bit further there, Padre. Yeah. If you use an actual hiss, like if they use an actual hyssop, hyssop leaf, branch. I think it would probably get like a lot more coverage. <laughs> oh, big time. Big time. Yeah. Nice or, yeah. or or Lean or you can do what I did. <laughs> or you can do what I did, you guys. Just get a get a basting brush and go through that house, <laughs> sprinkling the holy water in all the rooms. It was it was great. <laughs> desperate times call for desperate measures. Aspergillion. I, I basting really, brush. <laughs> I I had to admit, I I I mean, it was so it was so low key domestic church though. I was like, Julie, what chants do you know? And she's like, uh, I was like, can you sing the salve? She's like, yeah. I was like, okay, so let's go through the house singing the salve. <laughs> you know, like we should have done the That's a good idea. We should walk around chanting next time. Usually I walk around just sing the St. Michael prayer while okay. I'm sprinkling holy water around the house. Yeah. Vincent would actually love it. Our kids love singing the Salve Regina. It's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, it probably would have been way smarter to do just the asparagus. That would have been smart. I'm not a smart man. Oh, just chant the asparagus. We, yeah. We could just do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Are we underthinking or overthinking? I'm not sure anymore. I'm not sure. <laughs> okay. Here's, here's another domestic church anecdote with holy water so sprinkling i didn't have a problem because i transferred into those little holy water bottles that have the little spout for spraying it um but in order to get it into there from the big jars i needed a funnel and we didn't really have one other than the one our kids use as a bath toy so i had to go into the bathroom and get their (laughs) get their bath toy out of the bathtub Use it to funnel the water. Yeah. So, uh, man, kids yeah, got a little oh, extra man. blast. That's right. <laughs> In their bath. <laughs> so good. So, but th- this is this is the the gift of having our own ecclesia domestica, right? It's you know, mm-hmm. yeah. The stories we, we do our best. Yeah. <laughs> so. Speaking about doing our best, we should always dress our best, and that includes not wearing lady pants. Agree or disagree? I promise that I will never wear lady pants. 100%. That definitely includes me not wearing lady pants. Okay. So let's let's just give a quick uh, a quick rundown. So we're, we'll we'll uh link to this in the show notes at theologythebuddy.com you can find it there there is a talk that was or a homily that was given from a priest i'm not sure where i'm not sure who uh but he gave a um uh homily on the importance of modesty and particularly particularly against ladies wearing pants now this is not a podcast I just want to make a very clear note right off the bat. We all are very much in agreement that women and men need to dress modestly. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, that is without a doubt, like, man, I, I basically broke off relationships with girls 
because of immodesty. Like it was that important to me as even in high school, it was that important to me. So like, I, I won't mince words about the importance of modesty, but the question about lady pants and this homily, it kind of got me fired up. And like, I was in the car, (laughs) literally white knuckled, like so mad at this priest at the, like what my thought was very much like it seemed very like scrupulosity, very puritanical. Um, And I wasn't the only one who felt this way. Jordan Burke, the son of the great and wonderful Dan Burke. So uh, he runs the uh, do the harder thing podcast. He's uh, Jordan is just an amazingly good, holy man. And, um, like even he was like, he did a rant on his Instagram about this census fidelium talk and about how (laughs) ridiculous it is. But I wanted to get your thoughts on it and, you know, see, yeah, just see where you guys are at on this topic. Um, should women wear pants? I want to speak last. So, okay. (laughs) I I need that. Let me go last. Men, it's all yours. The pants. Pants. Okay. <laughs> so we wear the pants in the podcast. <laughs> I would hope you are wearing pants. <laughs> Not lady pants, though. <laughs> we did say we were trouser clad. So we were we did we did debate before recording the podcast whether we would say our pants co-hosts, but then we realized that would be inappropriate. not very modest no yeah so here's a question does the shape of the clothing have an effect on how modest it is if it's covering it to similar degrees or if it's concealing not i don't want to say covering because you know that's not just the point uh concealing so if you have lady trousers if you have lady trousers that are doing a admirable job of concealing the uh gosh it's such a hard hard thing to talk about without sounding crazy you anytime you talk about this you sound insane i'm sorry you, you just do well this is what so, the priest sounded I, like i know well i feel and i feel bad for him because okay so he he went so far but it's so hard to not like you really wanted to find terms you really want to you know come down somewhere but it there's like okay so there's so many different styles there's so many different cuts there's so many different but the, i mean the the reason the way that you achieve modesty is it's you know through what you conceal and through what you reveal and i don't know that you can definitely say okay lady pants i mean they're they're definitely you know causing much more revealing than say skirts dresses you know what have you so I don't know that you can definitely put that on the cut of the fabric itself. Mm-hmm. Um, Fit and form do matter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, Go on. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Form affects function. I mean, it's a it's a basic principle. Yep. You know what you do. You know affects you know the effect. You know what how you do it affects the effect. So mm-hmm. you know you know form affects function. Deformity yields dysfunction. So, I mean, yeah, you can have, you can have pants and, you know, they can 
be extremely revealing or you can have uh, definitely seen some skirts that are extremely revealing. So, you know, I don't know that I don't know that coming down and being like, okay, lady pants, you know, these are these are absolutely sinful. You need to go to confession. These are the problem. That's that's <laughs> that's not. Yeah, I don't think I don't think that that's helpful at all. I think that rather than coming down and being extremely specific, we have to get back and talk to talk about principles. And once we get away from those principles and start trying to get pinned in on very very specific things, you know, people should be able to use good judgment mm-hmm. and. You know, we need to be we need to be able to educate our children and, and become educated ourselves to the point where our judgment is strong enough where we can say, yes, you know, if I, you know, if I were to walk out of the house wearing Daisy Dukes, my wife would slap me. You know, that's just a, that's just a function of her judgment. You know, and it's, it's obviously a dysfunction of mine. But, you know, <laughs> yes, it would. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, my my employer does not allow me to wear a kilt to work, and you know, some days it would be fantastic. But how, no, how bigoted! <laughs> I know, I've, I've got the tartan picked out into everything, but <laughs> no, but yeah, it's yeah. So I think that I think that a big part of the problem with this discussion is that we're running directly to details, and we are getting away from principles. Okay, so. Did I tell you guys the story about the Barbie pants on this podcast? Because that's like that's like the perfect anecdote for like yeah. this situation. Like, speaking of Barbie the doll, yeah, Barbie the doll. Barbie the like doll. speaking of immodest skirts, um, our daughter received a Barbie for Christmas, and uh, it's supposed to be a, um, a veterinarian. Um, it's a really cute Barbie set. It's got like dogs and like a mom veterinarian and a little girl. There's one slight omission in this Barbie set. And that is her veterinarian outfit is basically a mini skirt that like. It's a tank top. It's a long tank top. (laughs) It just barely covers the underwear. Yeah. So like Evie's playing with and like the proportions are off on Barbies, right? So their legs are like 10 miles long. And it's like I, I'm saying to to Evie, like, oh, they must have uh forgotten to give Barbie some clothes. Like she she forgot to put on pants this morning. This isn't a very professional veterinarian outfit. So we actually had to borrow some additional Barbie clothes from grandma in order to give Barbie some dignity. Oh, and she was wearing stilettos too. So it was just like stilettos and a mini skirt. Like it's like, you know, you know how you expect to get a veterinarian and you go on wish and you order veterinarian and it's in quotation marks. It's that. Yeah. (laughs) It's like a Halloween slutty veterinarian costume. That's exactly what it was. Oh my goodness. Anyway. Thank you, Mattel. So so Mattel's yeah. not going to sponsor so, this podcast. Oh no, definitely not. <laughs> um, unless they repent of their um, unclothed Barbies. Yes. And we, we do things. highly encourage both of them to repent and to sponsor us. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> they might have to repent of the later seasons of My Little Pony too. But anyway, let's carry on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> not the smooth. So yeah, we made her. We made her modest by giving her pants and that's 
part of basically sums up the heart of this debate. Now, to comment on what the priest actually said, I'm convinced that he said pants are sometimes modest in this talk. He never outright said never wear pants. He even gave the anecdote of the Mexican immigrant workers, which I thought was phrased in kind of a like slightly racist way. But anyways, <laughs> pass right on by that. Um, but he held them up as an example of modesty because they wore things to, you know, cover up their backsides, as he puts it, when they're working out in the field with jeans. So I think where he gets into trouble is where he tries to justify some of his points with some really wild generalizations about women. Oh, yeah. That's that's more where I was like, oh, that's that's a huge exaggeration and or that's a huge generalization on some of the points like how, you know, what was some of the examples like how women as young women want to do exactly what other young women do. I'm kind of like, yeah, therefore that, they was, all... that was also me as a teenager. Sorry. Yeah. And like every young boy. <laughs> girls want to wear what the other girls are wearing because women are naturally followers. I'm just like, is that really, is that really true? I don't I, know. <laughs> I think there's like, there's like some kernel of truth in a woman, in a woman being suited to being a helper Mm-hmm. in her design from god but it's blown way out of proportion and taken to <laughs> to an extremist way too far um so that's where i think that was what had me face palming i actually think when it came precisely to pants he wasn't necessarily an error if you're wearing yoga pants you got to know that you're not actually wearing pants you're wearing underwear yeah, um, stuff like that. I don't know. I also have That's long it. johns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Chris. Yeah. So I, I will say two things. One, um, our good friend, Matt, season one, Matt, I, I had been, I was chatting with him about it and he, I, I haven't asked his permission to share this, but I'm still going to share it. He he said that he listened to it, the Lady Pants talk. He said that he didn't hear anything that he would call controversial. Um, and he said that the first part was talking about visual tracking research, which he said is kind of fun stuff. They do that in pathology research, too, to compare how useless trainees are at firming at, – uh, I think he meant to say finding stuff versus experienced pathologists. Um, so, you know, the idea that a man will immediately look at a woman's behind if they're wearing pants, uh, like that's, I think one that might be a bit of a generalization. Um, but the one thing that kind of drove me nuts is the fact that it, and this is kind of comparable to what Jordan Burke was pointing out too, that he saw a lot in, especially Southern Baptist um, circles in, you know, with regards to modesty, there would always be these like kind of chick track style stuff that were sent out about modesty rules. And basically all of the talking points that the priest had 
was almost verbatim what these Southern Baptists had put out. And it isn't necessarily, um, it's not always wrong, but it's just kind of really extreme and, and really, it kind of feels like the, the yoke of responsibility is placed squarely on the woman and no responsibility is placed on the man's shoulders. Um, and this is kind of where I, where I take off and I say like, Men need to be in control of their passions. That is, that is the most important thing, you know, like, yeah, women need to be modest too. Sure. You know, but if a woman is being a modest, it's not squarely her fault. If I look and I start to lust, that's not, that's on me. You know, oh, yeah. and so the one thing that was severely lacking in that talk was the need for men to mortify themselves straight up. And um, I know that for me and my my struggles over the years with with lust, like I can't just point to those other sources and say that's all their fault for doing it. No, like I need to be in control of the passions. I need to mortify myself when I fail. I need to be ensuring that I'm in confession as often as I need to be, you know, weekly, monthly, whatever, to ensure that I'm getting this out. And yeah, that was that was missing. That was missing, mm-hmm. you know. We under like despite what Pope Francis says, you know, our lady did say very much that sins of the flesh are like the number one sin that leads souls to hell. And I believe that to be the case. Um, but <laughs> Our Lady didn't say, and women, it's all your fault. Mm-hmm. So let's, you know, let's take both a both and approach that men need to be in control of their passions and need to fight. And I think more than anything, they have an, a particular role in, because let's be honest, the pornography industry, the swimwear industry, sports illustrated, whatever, all that stuff wouldn't exist if it weren't for lustful men. They wouldn't make a dime if men weren't into it. So yeah, that's, that's my two cents on it. Like men need to take real responsibility and be virtuous. Um, Women too, but, but men more than women in my opinion, need to really do it because it's, yeah, it, it wouldn't happen if, if men weren't pushing for it. Brooke. Okay. I got a couple dollars. So, uh, hang tight there. Okay. So dollars, full disclosure. Yeah. Cause you said, these are my two cents. And I said, oh. Oh, I got a couple dollars. Okay. Well, okay. Canadian stu- or American dollars. <laughs> it's a stupid joke. I'm so sorry. Um, okay. <laughs> full disclosure. Full disclosure, uh, I'm a lady. Hi, how are you? Um, Shocker. I sometimes wear pants. I sometimes wear pants. Oftentimes they're sweatpants. I'm working out. They're workout pants. No surprise there. I'm often a lady that wears dresses because I'm lazy and they're comfy. So and they're beautiful. And they're beautiful. Okay. Story time. So I don't get out very often. And I thought, hey. I'm going to go out. There's going to be people there. I should probably dress nice. I should probably dress modestly. You know, I'm not going to put on my yoga pants that I would wear at home or something, you know, 
And I decided I'm going to put on, I'll put on my full length, full length dress, like, you know, very casual button all the way down, um, long sleeves, you know, really nice, not too tight. You know, it fit well enough to show that I was a girl, but loose enough to show I was a woman to quote Cameron Fraud. Okay. So I go to the grocery store, you know, it's, uh, fine. But then this guy says something to me and he's like trying to start conversation. I'm like, oh yeah, haha, nice. Okay. Have a great day. And I'm walking in the parking lot and he says, I really like your dress. Alarm bells are going off. Like, this is not okay. I'm uncomfortable. This is like a mid forties year old man. And I'm, I'm buying diapers and I'm putting them in the back of my car. How many kids you got? Yep. Okay. I say two. Yep. They're great. Yeah. Have a great day. Bye. I get in my car. I drive home and I'm flustered because I'm just like, I was not looking for attention, but I got it dressing modestly. It is not the first time that I've worn a dress out in public and had guys either checking me out or flirt with me. And they're dresses that my husband approves of that are not immodest at all. Right, Mike? He's nodding his head. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a situation where I feel like you're darned if you do and you're darned if you don't. You know what I mean? I don't wear jeans anymore just because most jeans are too low rise or too tight. And that's just not practical for my life. I just, I just don't do it. Mom jeans are, mom jeans are honestly a breath of fresh air. And what I'm finding is the biggest deterrent for women to wear dresses is because they're just not available. You can't find them. And if you do, they cost so much money. So, you know, when you have people saying, oh, women should wear dresses, it's like, absolutely. That would be amazing. Can you show me where? Right. And oftentimes they're like, well, can't you just go to the store? What store? I can't buy a skirt that, you know, goes past my knees. I can't go to a store to buy a dress that isn't like super form fitting or super low cut or, you know, has a slit all the way up to my hip. It's nearly impossible. So, like, I have to buy from the States. Hashtag Nisi's dresses. I buy from the Mormons to buy dresses because I can't find them. And I don't buy them often because they're expensive. And I was wearing a Mormon dress at the grocery store. And I still got hit on. Me, (laughs) the person not looking for attention at all, ever. Please don't talk to me. The dress just screamed polygamy. The dress, the dress screamed. <laughs> the dress screamed, "I am beautiful. Come and talk to me." <laughs> nay, nay, please don't. I'm just trying to buy groceries for my family. But yeah, this is just a reoccurring problem. And he was trying. The priest made it sound like if women wear dresses, everything is going to be better. It ain't because <laughs> like Chris said, men need to control themselves too. please don't hit on women in the grocery store parking lot. If they're wearing a dress kind of busy. <laughs> Buying diapers with a wedding ring on too. Like, uh. Yeah. I don't know. There was a lot of generalizations. Like it just, it just, it bothered me because you can wear pants that don't fit super tight. That makes sense, right? 
I think everybody here would agree with that. Don't wear pants where it's like you can see everything, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> like wear what's practical for the environment that you're in based on the activities that you're doing, but be modest about it. Mm-hmm. It it doesn't take anything else to really, I don't know. There's nothing more to it. Like, obviously you have a problem with girls are saying, oh, I'm going on a hike and I'm wearing my shorts and those shorts are way too short. Yeah. They ain't shorts. Those are underpants. Yeah. yeah. I could go on for a lot longer, <laughs> but I won't because <laughs> I love you guys. <laughs> but dang (laughs) well i think you've made your point though (laughs) the thing is like no matter where you go there's always going to be the potential for a man to oogle and that's yeah that's i mean whether you're at the grocery store or you're at you know the traditional latin mass you know father ripperger talks about how he sees men in traditional parishes struggle with lust even more some of them and mm-hmm. if that's the case, man, you're walking in there with a dress looking like a beautiful lady, a man's potentially going to going to look because they struggle with lust, you know? Yeah. Like it you know, especially if you're a beautiful lady, it doesn't matter if, you know, you're wearing a dress or wearing pants, they're going to look because you're beautiful, you know, and they're not mm-hmm. in control of their passions, you know, they're Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so the greater problem the greater problem is the is the infestation of of lust in media and how men re- not all men i really don't want to say that but how it, the media preys on making men in unable to control their passions it doesn't necessarily mean all men are unable to control their passions because there are some righteous men out there really good virtuous men but the media really really wants to break them and unfortunately it's using hurt or scared or I don't know, desperate women to make it happen. Absolutely. You can, you can wear pants, just wear modest pants, wear pants that are pants. Can I share that dovetail thing? Sure. Did any, okay. My last story. So <laughs> I'm so sorry, but they just, it just contributed to this so much because it's another problem about pants, about lady pants. So it was, a targeted ad that was specifically to women's workwear, women's work pants. So they look like men pant, man pants, kind of. They fit a little bit different, but the price tag on those pants was $130. And they were not feminine looking pants at all. They were 100% functionality. But because they were women pants, they charged an arm and a leg for them. Women were not looking to wear pants for the sake of wearing pants to be like men, because that's totally backfired because it now it costs us more. Just saying. Because that was one of his things that women wanted to wear pants to be able to do what men do. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe I'm missing something because I'm not a feminist to that kind of world, I guess. But That's weird that they charged an arm and a leg. <laughs> You'd think they would charge two legs. <laughs> <laughs> I think Tim died. <laughs> that that was my soul leaving the body. <laughs> Adam, that's why I'm here. <laughs> Leave the comedy to the bears. Yeah. 
but but I think you bring up a valid point too, and and I think coming back to what you were saying too, you know, you there is a bit of a I don't know how to word this really well in especially in traditional circles, but I think really everywhere, you know, it's really, there's kind of this, this expectation that you're just going to be able to afford all of this stuff. You're going to be able to afford the $135 dress from Nisi's, you know, like as for us as Canadians, one, like you say, it's impossible to get anything in Canada. So you have to order from the States. Well, when you order from the States, do you realize how much it costs in shipping to get something from the United States? So much. And then there is additional taxes because you have bought clothes from the United States Mm -hmm. at customs. So they add even more. So you end up paying Mm -hmm. almost double for the clothes that you want to wear. And and I is, love my clothes, but right. I'm desperate to find clothes that I can wear. Right. That fits that happy. That's that happy medium of comfort and modest because, you know, you can't go to a mall here and find those things. Even Good if, luck. Even if we had malls that were open. Which well, they're do. open. Just only a couple people can go in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but you know what I mean? I feel like it's a bit of a, you know, um, like they just expect that you're going to have enough money to be able to afford doing all of this kind of stuff. And generally speaking, people can't afford that, especially in traditional Catholic families where the dad's bringing in, you know, and paying for like 10 kids, buying clothes from the United States at, you know, close to a hundred bucks a pop is not feasible for these kinds of families. And, you know, ask my wife, finding a dress is impossible. Like it's Mm -hmm. so difficult for her to find any kind of dresses that fit in general, you know, Mm -hmm. even from the States. So it's like, you know, ultimately, ultimately it's a culture problem, right? Because if modesty mattered, then we would have access to clothes that supported that virtue. But because it's totally just, it's like they've just jumped the ship and they stopped caring. Yeah. So it's a lot of extra work. It's not that I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that ladies shouldn't invest in proper fitting clothing or anything like that. You know, Yeah. no one is justifying dressing badly, but, but yeah, I'm All all I'm saying here is that, to me, it feels like sometimes it feels like the weight is put so heavily on these ladies mm-hmm. without really a practical understanding of their circumstance and their life. And then they're sitting there going, feeling guilty, sitting in mass, wearing pants. It's like, that's not fair. That's not fair to, you know, these these moms who are just trying to get by. You know, especially like, and there are single parents in these traditional parishes as well. That's not fair to them. So, I I don't know. I think we need to have a little bit more charity and a little bit more understanding and a little less kind of like being so myopic on just that issue. And I think, you know, a broader 
more generous understanding of what modesty means is kind of more necessary. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and again, there's, there's no reason that a woman can't dress modestly, but that doesn't necessarily mean it has to always be with a dress. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah. You do see a little bit of that same attitude towards like people who want men to always be wearing a nice suit and stuff like that. But I don't think oh, yeah. it's nearly as extreme. There's a little more understanding. Suits um, are expensive. Oh. Hey, wait a second. That sounds familiar. Uh, dude, yeah. if you're if you're a big guy like I am, you're paying upwards of 500 bucks a suit. Oh, yeah. It oh, sucks. Yeah. It yeah. absolutely that's, sucks. That's something I had trouble with. And I'm still having trouble with. Uh, you know, I had a suit, have a suit for weddings and funerals and church. And I'm a big guy. I mean, I'm six foot five. I'm 260 to 280 pounds, depending on when you catch me. And I'm not catching you. Yeah. You, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm yeah, trying to I, imagine someone three, taller than Mike. <laughs> all three of us together. Have, have Mike, <laughs> have Mike stand on a chair. And, <laughs> <laughs> and so, and, and it's hard because like, I'm not a normal proportion, you know, so even if I go out and find something off the rack for a couple hundred, you know, 250 bucks, you know, I'm still having to take it to a tailor, you know, cause you know, the pants don't fit right because I don't have the normal American waistline. You know, I've, I don't have the, you know, I'm taller than 90 some odd percent of the population. I've got broad shoulders. I've got broad chests, you know, and I, the clothes just don't fit me right. So when I wear it, I look like a sack of potatoes. So it takes a lot. It takes a lot to get to where I get, I can wear a suit comfortably to mass or to a funeral or to a wedding and just, you know, feel like, okay, I look like I fit in here. You know, I don't look like I'm playing pretend. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I watched, you know, I watched my mom, uh, you know, I grew up uh, Mennonite, which is like Amish with blenders. And, We had, um, you know, my mom struggled with it. She made a lot of our clothes, but, uh, she would go to, I think it was the TGI back then. She'd go to the TGI and she'd get these paper packets with, uh, clothing patterns. Simplicity, simplicity patterns. Yeah. 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 And she would make, she would, she would buy the fabric from the, uh, from the craft section and she would make her own dresses because, you know, like you're saying, the dresses weren't out there and that was back in the eighties. The dresses weren't there. Mm-hmm. How, how far have fashions gotten from that point in the last 30 some odd years? Yeah. Yeah. People will pay, people will pay for it. Just, it just has to be available and we do need to be charitable to each other and how in our assumptions, right? Like Catholic entrepreneurs. Here's a, here's a market for you. <laughs> yeah. It's just saying, there's a there's a lady at our Latin mass who's kind of dabbling in it. Yeah, but they're super cute. We need but. more uh, <laughs> entrepreneurs to pick up on this. I think yeah. it's a niche market for sure. But. I would I would love to walk into a store and know everything that I'm going to pick is going to be something that like shows that I care. Right. But here's the other thing. Like I think there is more appeal to these modest fashions than you might think. Yeah. Some of the conversations Brooke has with like friends and family who aren't trad or aren't even Catholic, 
a lot of the ladies are on the same page about this this kind of dress mm-hmm. that you know they would buy one if it was available for a decent price they would want to wear it but it's just not there it's almost like a form of like top down control on what ladies are wearing mm-hmm. they just won't provide you with a modest dress or or one that's like a good quality one yeah. that'll last like i love giant tiger but i don't expect those dresses to last me 10 years <laughs> <laughs> I, I would know. I bought their sweatpants and they're not looking that great. <laughs> Giant Tiger, please sponsor us. <laughs> That's a Canadian store for you Americans. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah. So everybody who's listening, we'd love to know your opinions on this. You have an e- equal place at the table here. So let's let's hear what you have to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so visit us on our socials at Theology of the Buddy. Um, and and yeah hit us up either in dm or comment on on the post for this episode um and let us know your thoughts um because yeah we know we're we're not the the only ones who have strong opinions either way about this um but uh yeah um so yeah hey guys thanks thanks for coming and hanging out on a Mm -hmm. a saturday night this has been fun (laughs) and uh thank you for all wearing pants today so i appreciate it you are welcome you're welcome (laughs) (laughs) all right well uh like i said uh please we'd love to hear from you so come and visit us at theology of the buddy you can find us uh, at theology of the buddy.com for all of our episodes as well um, make sure to subscribe uh, wherever you're listening we'd really appreciate it um, and uh, yeah so we'll be back in two weeks from today um, with our next episode so make sure you subscribe so you know when that comes out and until then Stay Stay chatty.